0: Need a bigger potion. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Life, uh, finds a way. Back to Spielberg chronologically. This is the podcast for myself, Jeff, and Eric. Hey, how is how, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little. I'm good. You might stumbly. tell I have my baritone because I'm getting over a bit of a sore throat. But you know. Mm. Mm. Anyway, uh, this is a podcast where we go through every single one of Steven Spielberg's movies in chronological order, and we are boy, we are getting to the back. Into things here um we're all the way in 2011 where we just watched the adventures of 1010
1: yeah i popped into uh, the the filmography the other day just to kind of see where we were on things we're 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 getting there
0: man like it, we, there is not much left we are almost out of the woods other than we decided we got some more bonuses coming so as far as uh our recording going we still got a good bit to do yes that is true yes um but that being said, um, yeah, Adventures of Tintin, 2011, starring Jamie Bell, Andy Circus, Daniel Craig, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. What more do you want? Man, the cast on this thing is
1: unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and more than the cast, like, before this viewing, I don't know. I'll, I'll just put my cards on the table. This feels like a forgotten Spielberg film, right? It's only what 11 years old I, I don't know how many years old yeah, is this about and, that. and people don't discuss it it doesn't come up it's never mentioned in like articles um it's almost as though it didn't happen you know like if we weren't doing this podcast i would have maybe never thought of this film again and so as a result like my knowledge about the movie was severely lacking um, so I was really surprised to see What a big hand Peter Jackson played in this film Yeah
0: I was talking to my other co-host from the movie Draft House He goes, that's Spielberg? I thought that was Peter Jackson I'm like, well, he had a lot to do with it Like, you see there uh, It's Amblin and Wingnut uh, production Which is, you know, Amblin, obviously Spielberg's studio And Wingnut being uh, the production company of uh, Pete Jackson So, yeah
1: Yeah, it's it- Reading through the making of this film, and I didn't watch any like special features or anything like that. I just kind of read around online. It's pretty difficult to tell where Spielberg left off and where Jackson picked up. It kind of feels like Spielberg and Jackson developed the film together, and then Spielberg directed the motion capture, and then mm-hmm. Jackson took over on like the the animation piece. Um, but it's, it's hard to say, you know, like it, it definitely feels like a collaboration more than just a straight Spielberg film,
0: you know? Yeah. So i had never seen this. You said you'd seen it before. And what was your take the first time you saw it?
1: Okay. So the first time I saw this, I took my older sons to see it at the theater. I think we did the IMAX 3d thing. Right. And I took them to it just on the strength of it being a Steven Spielberg animated movie, yeah, which had never been done before, and I was curious. Um, this came soon after Rango, I think,
0: yeah, which we okay. also
1: went to see, which was not a Spielberg. but um, for whatever reason, it kind of became conflated with that in my mind as like an underwhelming animated film. I think, like, coming out of it the first time, I felt like it was too frantic. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand the story very much. My kids seemed kind of restless. And and so when it was over, I was like, well, that was a thing that we watched and we left. And then a week later, we went to see War Horse because that came out, like, back to back, you know? Um, So that that was what I came away with the first time, which is why I've never revisited this film. Um, I had a very different experience this time. Uh, I don't know. what what Good. What were your uh, overall thoughts here?
0: Uh, pretty much exactly what you just said. Okay. Uh, it's uh, hectic. I wasn't exactly sure what was happening. I didn't know why we were on this adventure. Uh, I felt... Uh, that the characters were kind of unappealing and it just kind of ran its course and I was done with it Um, not impressed with this one personally interesting yeah okay like I
1: I I I understand that like I absolutely understand that because that was how I felt uh, the first time seeing it Um, this time I had a very different experience so I think I told you I I went ahead and invested in a 3D Blu-ray for Mm -hmm. this so it was like 25 bucks or whatever and set up the screen and charged up the 3d glasses and i watched it with my two younger kids who are uh six and ten and uh we watched it two nights ago on the big screen in 3d and a completely different experience first of all it absolutely worked for my 10-year-old.
0: She okay, I was loved gonna it. Ask if, loved yeah. it.
1: She was absolutely fascinated by it. She was just like so into the slam-bang action moments. Uh, she thought the 3D was amazing. She's still at the age where she's only seen a few 3D movies, and the 3D in this is particularly well done. Like, it is like, okay, really I was ask, cool. Did,
0: did, did the 3D affect your view? Because to me, I saw this in normal old 2D you know, I streamed it from HBO Max, maybe I think it was on, and uh, did the the 3D affect your experience? 100%.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. like when I saw the original avatar and I haven't seen the new one, but I uh, watching the movie, I'm like, that's fine, but as a 3D experience, the original avatar in the theater in 3D is the best 3D movie I've ever seen be and and I think that that's why I enjoyed it in the theater but have never gone back because the story to me was was just kind of like ah you know whatever and um so I was wondering like if this is a high quality well done 3d film how much that helps
1: yes it is incredible in 3d and uh like the <sighs> Let me see, how can I explain this? So, like, the quieter moments when they're creeping through alleyways and when he's investigating, like, the dusty mansion and so on and so forth, uh, the 3D in those moments give it, like, a really kind of dark... Dank field, you know, like you really kind of feel like you're there and you see the dust motes flying through the air, you know, at the appropriate distance. And and one thing that I love about 3D, like I'm not so into 3D and the way that it conveys action. I'm much more into it the way that it conveys scale. It's the same yeah. reason I love VR games, because they're in 3D, and I love how they can convey a sense of scale. Like, I like seeing yeah, little, like, little tiny things and big, big things, you know? And- I had
0: a 3DS, like many people, and the only game where I really was like, the 3d actually was important and made the game better was uh luigi's mansion yes because it gave you that depth and it made the the mansion feel more full and it kind of had this diorama feel so i i get i can get behind that for sure yeah I, I am also not one of those people who um likes the gimmicky 3d like oh it's coming at you no Look i don't like that finger. either and there's only one moment in yeah. the
1: movie where it does that okay uh, i didn't
0: notice it because i wasn't of the mind state to look for things that would be 3d yeah
1: somebody kind of pokes their cane in tintin's face and you can see the cane kind of but uh it is only one cheapo moment like that but for then the scenes like like, i I just kept in my mind going back to the pirate scene like the thing with the ships battling and like they're setting each other on fire and then the waves come and they. Attach the two masts together and then the waves straighten out the ship and the other ship is like a like an amusement park rocking ship suspended from the other ship's mast and like fire everywhere and cannons and people jumping around and jumping from ship to ship and sword fights and all of that. Like that was spectacular in 3D. Spectacular. Yeah. To the point where like i'm I'm kind of thinking back to my first experience with the film and I don't I didn't even remember that sequence like I had no idea that that was even in the movie. like when I thought back on the movie, I was picturing like Tintin peering into the case at the little ship, you know, and like kind of investigating around. I'd forgotten about these huge action set pieces and uh so yeah, I will absolutely go on record saying that like the clarity and the depth in the 3D 100% adds to this film like like yeah. like i i've seen a few reviews online where people were like oh, it's not necessary to the experience blah blah, blah. i will say i feel like it's a lesser experience without it i went back and watched uh, the final chase scene um in 2D i streamed it you know just to kind of take another look at it and i was like oh this is not as it doesn't like wrap around you the way it's you know it's it's not as impactful without the three yeah. D. So
0: that's cool. I I, I kind of wish I could have experienced in that way because um like my thing was I just I wasn't invested in the characters in any way and I didn't feel like there was much development at all. Um, I found Circus's character to be wholly annoying, um, in his sort of bumbling, uh, un inability to actually be effective. Um, but I just um, yeah, I I kind of wish I had had that experience because I was, I I think part of it is uh, I'm not huge into 3D animated films. I'm not 3D in the sense of going to the theater and seeing it with 3D glasses, but the computer animated era, you know, um, like ever since Toy Story kind of started the this new genre. While I love. Some of them, you know, your Toy Stories and, and uh, The Incredibles. You oh, know, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Incredibles is, is
1: in its own category. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Monster House is one I like. There are exceptions. Um, but generally speaking, I find that this movie, along with things like Secret Life of Pets and, da, 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 you know, any kind of just generic one that comes out every year, lacks a certain level of character development um, where that would keep me coming back. And I felt like that was my big knock on the film was that, that there was no, like, who, what is Tintin? Who is he? You know, he's a reporter. Okay, good enough. Let's move on. And then, um, you know, like, I just didn't feel like there was any depth there. Yeah. And so it kind of made the characters, you know, 2D uh, appropriately enough um, that I just kind of was like, okay, I, I, don't feel like I was given a lot of reason to care. So I think a part of that, and,
1: and I was trying to come to come to terms with why this movie flopped like it did. And and I guess in certain circles it's considered a success. So it made seventy seven million in the U.S., which for a Spielberg film is not a lot. But no you know, but worldwide it made three hundred seventy four million uh, on a budget of like a hundred and some. Um, so it did, it did make enough money for them to consider doing sequels, which have never come to light, apparently stuck in development hell on Peter Jackson's side. But I I think part of it is that U.S. audiences, which, which typically, uh, for Hollywood releases make up the largest chunk of money, right? Like it's usually at least... A third comes from the U.S. or maybe half comes from the U.S. and then the other half is made up from other countries around the world. Uh, U.S. audiences aren't familiar with Tintin, like right. they just don't know the source material. You know, um,
0: I don't like know. I saw like he's his the 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 at the very beginning. There's like a a cartoonist that draws a picture of Tintin, and I'm familiar with that image. But I know nothing else about the character. Okay, I was I I was going to
1: ask you, like, if you had any experience at all with the character or any of the, the uh, the comics or any of that stuff.
0: Yeah, I think that that's why for me, uh, I don't know why this is made. You know, because it's not a household name and at least in the states you know i'm not familiar at all other than that one image
1: yeah i feel like nine out of ten americans if you showed them that drawing would not be able to identify they say oh that looks familiar that looks kind of familiar i kind of know that yeah Yeah, and it's funny because it's it's huge in other parts of the world in europe it's you know like mickey mouse levels well known you know um so i i went into it with a bit more than that. Um, but, I mean, still not a huge familiarity. So, I was a big library kid. I've mentioned the library a lot on this podcast. I took the movie out of the library, blah. But when I, I was a, when I was a kid, my mom would just take me over to our local library branch and just dump me for like eight hours because she knew I would find ways to amuse myself there. And one of the yeah. things, one of the... Th- I, I knew exactly where... The comic strip section of the library was, and I would always make a beeline for it and see if there's anything new there. And so that's when I read like the original 1930s and 40s Superman strips. You know, I read all the old Batman strips because they would be in these collections. And so through that, I found Tintin. Um, At the time, I had no idea that it was French, you know, it was translated into English. Um, I was never a huge fan of the Tintin books, but I did read them because they were yeah. there just because they were there. I picked them up and, and I read a few of them. Um, however, by the time this movie came out, that was 30 years in my past. Now it's 40. So I had very little recollection of what was going on in those books outside of the basic imagery. Like I knew the sea captain. I knew the two bumbling Thompson and Thompson cops. Um, like I I could, Probably name them in Snowy. Of course, I knew Snowy, but that was kind of it. Like, I remembered yeah. that there was adventure, but I didn't remember any of the specific stories or, or, or anything like that. And I feel like I'm in like the top one percent of my Tintin knowledge, you know, like, like for, for an American. I feel like I'm, I'm doing pretty well with just that. And so you're right. I mean, like for a United States audience coming into this cold with very little knowledge of of who this character is or what this character is all about there is not much in the way of exposition or explanation or anything there that said i think in the original strips there is also not anything there i feel like they would have been making shit up if they'd have tried to plug in some history or backstory or anything like in the strips Tintin is a young man. You don't know where he came from. You don't know anything about his parents. He's got this dog, Snowy. He's a reporter and he goes on adventures. The end, you know, like (laughs) you don't know anything about this guy. And he's kind of just a, like a cypher, like a faceless, like there's there's a stand-in, a stand-in for the reader. It's who Tintin is kind of. Um, so I feel kind of like uh, they did the best that they could like the character's not irritating in the movie you know like he's he's okay like he's
0: yeah he's... he was the the uh, the most appealing character yeah as as but that being said he's just a slice of white toast right but he was still the most appealing thing like Jamie Bell does a good job. The uh, I, I, and We'll have to get into the animation and, and the way the film looks, because that is one of the positives, is that the film looks incredible. Um, the, the
1: film is f- fucking stunning. Like, like the animation is ludicrous. I'm thinking of it like in comparison to the Zemeckis animated films of the time, like Beowulf and The Christmas Carol One with Jim Carrey. Um there's one more, wasn't there? I don't know. Uh, I think
0: of uh, the snow train, Christmas train. Oh, right, right, right. The yeah,
1: that's the other one. The, the train, the Christmas yeah, train Yeah, those one.
0: look like crap. Like, to me, this is one of the best where they avoided the uncanny valley. And one of the ways they did that was by stylizing the characters. So, like, Andy Circus's character has this bulbous nose, and he is still kind of cartoony, yet he still also has pores in his flesh that you can see. Um, <laughs> so... I think that they balanced uh, keeping it lifelike while avoiding the uncanny valley by giving them a little cartoon styling really helped.
1: I I absolutely agree. I think this is leaps and bounds above those Zemeckis films uh, as far as the... And it's interesting because they do have these somewhat cartoonish looking characters and they're placing them against damn near photorealistic backgrounds like yeah really really nicely done backgrounds uh and i I can't even call them backgrounds i should say environments placing them into these environments yes (laughs) and uh and they work you know like tintin looks enough like a real person that it doesn't look like i don't know like a muppet against a photo you know like like he fits into those those environments pretty well and probably the most cartoonish character is the sea captain right um yeah captain Captain haddock yeah uh but like the the bad guy looks enough like a real human being even the the opera singer although she's a little cartoony she looks enough like a real human being that they they fit you know, into yeah, these environments, they just enlarge
0: now- their heads a bit, right? I mostly notice it on on Daniel Craig's character, the main villain. His head is kind of big for his body, yes. Um, but again, I really think it helps avoid that uncanny valley, right? Where if it feels like they're going too hard into realistic, that's where your brain starts to go, something's wrong here. But when they pull it back, let it be a little cartoony. Your brain is able to suspend disbelief. It's kind of funny how that works. It
1: is. It's weird. The uncanny valley has always been kind of fascinating to me because I think, I think at this point we're almost to the point where they could make photorealistic. You know, and and in some cases, uh, like for video games, it feels almost like they've pushed through to the other side. You know, and have gotten past the uncanny valley to the point where. Uh, but even even like some of the big studios still fail, like the Star Wars when they did Princess Leia, or in Rogue One when they did uh, Tarkin, and they the mustache gate. Yeah, you know, from the mustache Justice gate, from Justice League Justice or whatever. League. Yeah, they still blow it every now and then. Um, but anyhow, yeah. So like, I I feel like the world in this movie is so beautifully constructed, and and is just like really gorgeous that said i i don't necessarily find the world super appealing like it feels pretty gritty for an animated film you know like like i I guess it fits in with the themes of the movie and they're trying to do like a a more realistic adventure story with these characters um but you know like everything's a little rusty everything's a little Mm -hmm. dusty everything's a little dirty you know and it, it does give it this kind of lived in, I don't know, like s- s- sea wharf smell of rotting fish feel, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that might be part of what put me off
0: in the first place. Uh, yeah. I I, I kind of think they do a good job, though, of it being still kind of colorful, like when he's in the uh, the mansion kind of, fumbling around it is dark and everything but a lot of the city outside in the city is like lively like the opening scene is very much in this living city people are passing by you got a lot going on there's the pickpocket and all that and uh, from of that element i really liked the the sort of living nature of all the stuff going on in the background it felt alive
1: yeah no i i agree with that um Let's let's talk about the story, the storyline. Okay, <laughs> like how how did you feel about the story? Were you able to follow it? Like I I read somewhere that they tried to construct the story in a way that a child could follow it, and hmm. okay, I was watching what's that this say about thing. Me, then? <laughs> yeah, I was watching huh. this thing. Like like when watching it with my kids, we paused it. At least five times. So I could answer, like, so was was he a pirate? And now he's not a pirate. I'm like, no, that's supposed to be his grandfather. Well, they look the same. Like, I know, it's supposed to be his grandfather. Was the other guy a pirate? No, he's not a pirate either. It's his grandson. You know, like.
0: It wasn't until late into the movie where I'm like oh okay like because there is this element so the story is about them finding some sort of treasure thing i guess from some ancestors or whatever like that's kind of what i gathered and there's a a a lengthy flashback scene to that i think the the uh, action sequence you were talking about with the boats crashing and all that and i'm like oh okay so Andy Circus's character was this... Po- that's how I felt. Like, I was like, oh, he was. This is a flashback to his memory that, you know, his drinking has taken away from him. And then later it's like, no, that's him having some sort of religious experience with the, the past loved one. I, you know, it definitely yeah it, for being written for a child i was not i was not following very it well it felt
1: pretty muddy right like the three ships yeah. like like and i'm sure if i went back and watched it carefully again it's all in there especially if i put on the subtitles so i could understand the parts where the accents kind of did me in a little bit um but there were three ships, and so we're supposed to assume that Haddock had two siblings, and they're gone now. And the ships have like, made their way elsewhere in the world, and one of them ended up with the Sheik, and one of them, uh, who knows? You know, and so like, there's this mystery at the beginning about the ship, and you know, there's this scroll in the ship, and then oh wait, now there's another ship and this guy has the other ship and he's trying to gather all the ships and wait, oh, now there's another ship we gotta go get. And so like that part was interesting. Like as they were trying to solve the mystery, I was down in a very Nancy Drew Hardy boys sort of way. Um, But like where those ships came from and how they got to where they are and all of that, like that just went right over my head And, and, and why grandfather pirate put that together in this way. Um It all was very, you know, like even
0: just the fact that there were three of these model ships that had, I didn't know what, why, why is, and then when they had the letters, the little clips, I'm like, okay, what are these for? Are they looking for treasure? And you know, the only, when they got them all three together and you saw the coordinates, I was like, Oh, Okay. Treasure.
1: Right, Her? I think I think yeah. what it comes down to is that the MacGuffin makes sense, but we didn't understand the MacGuffin until really late in the film, and so yeah, and I I think we're probably both in the same place with that. And so while my kids had a lot of questions about the identity of these people and how they related to one another and so on that part, they didn't give a shit about like we as adults were trying to like piece together the mystery or whatever. And they're just on the ride. The kids are like, now they're on a boat. Oh, the boat blew up. It's upside down. Now there's a plane, you know, (laughs) they they didn't give a shit about like the, the overall, you know, storyline. They were more caught up in the action beats. Um, Other things. So, but I still like thinking back on the film this morning, I was still like, okay, wait, how did they know? Like, in the moment when Tintin's ready to give up after the big chase and the boat has taken off. How did they know to go back to the original city? Like, like there are pieces of logic in the film that are still missing from my brain. Like, I that I either didn't catch or have just forgotten, like, like why they're moving from this place to that place. You know, what's the motivation to get on the boat and go from here to there? Um, a lot of those pieces are still really fuzzy. And part of me just wants to rewatch the movie so I can put it all together in my head. But then another part of me is kind of like, well, I should really have caught this the first time you know
0: <laughs> yeah i i i kind of agree with that like <laughs> i know you like this movie donnie darko but it's kind of like one of those things where i'm like Aren't I supposed to get it as the viewer? Like, someone's like, oh, you just don't get it. You don't understand it. I, no, wait, 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 wait. Donnie I'm like, Darko, sure? we're talking
1: about some very different situations here. Yeah, they're the same film.
0: <laughs> Donnie no, Darko has, like, obviously themes
1: and things you could draw out. I'm just this movie, sort of, I didn't understand the basic story. Like,
0: Right, yeah. I'm just backing you up and saying, shouldn't I understand this? Shouldn't I be able to follow it? And yes, even more so I should, because I think Donnie Darko is purposefully confusing, whereas this... They tried to make it <laughs> to followable, make it make and they didn't.
1: Yeah, yeah. I agree. Although, I, I will say I did a much better job with it this time than I did the first time. Like, I, I feel like I came away from it with maybe, like, five-sixths of what was going on, I understand. Whereas the first time, I was like, half, and I zoned out mm-hmm. for part of it. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So... How did you feel about the ending being just uh like now we've begun this adventure kind of and, and oh, it just Oh, I didn't like it. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, I and can't wait to not watch a, that." A cliffhanger, but like,
0: you know. So you feel yeah, like if, if a new Tintin were...
1: came out, you would not watch it?
0: Oh, no, not unless it was directed by Steven Spielberg and we had to do it for the podcast. That's the only way I would watch it. I i'll put it this way i had no um investment in Tintin as a character going in and i have even less coming out like i really I, at least the curiosity i wonder what Tintin's all about and then now that i've watched i'm like not for me interesting interesting did any of the action sequences work for you it's hard to say yes and it's not a fault of the action sequences right it's a fault of the characters to me like as spectacular as it is i don't care it, like if and part of it was i'm still trying to figure out what was going on so like when they had the flashback to the the two pirate you know two pirates fighting i was like okay wait what like so I, it was hard to get behind the action and so much of like what makes action great to me is that it's real and on screen. And so once you move into that animated realm, it kind of takes a little bit of the action away for me. Um, As far as it having stakes Hmm. uh, to a degree, because in a CG world, everything's very controlled, you know, or all the times we watched these Spielberg movies, like someone could have died there, (laughs) you know? And and yeah, this is safer, but I mean, uh, for me, if I... Look back on my favorite action films. It's because Jean Claude Van Damme is really doing the stuff you're seeing on screen, and I think that's one of the reasons why animated action films just don't hit for me because it's completely fabricated. I guess. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I
1: I understand that. I I am not in the same boat. I am absolutely able to invest in an animated action scene i'm thinking of uh like the incredibles some of the disney
0: films um just certainly the incredibles would be the exception yeah and i I think the difference between that and this to me is the characters yeah incredibles works because the characters and i care about them and
1: i was going to say it comes down to my investment in the characters yeah yeah
0: and i think that was one of the big things so not only was Like if it's a like a lot of the action movies like aren't exactly like heavy into character, but they benefit by having these incredible physical feats being done on screen or you know that are kind of awesome. Like if you look back at the uh, uh, second Captain America movie, the Winter Soldier, there's that fist fight, you know, and it's really well choreographed and they've really put. The touches in it and the the people have to execute it and there's just something about that that i really appreciate um and i and it probably just goes back to the the action movies i grew up with were you know van damme yeah. having choreographed fights and him actually having to pull off the maneuvers he does you know when he does a split you're like wow he's really learned how to do that and if Tintin did a split it'd be like wow, they got the computer to do that for him. And I it think- kind
1: of comes back to what we were talking about last last episode with uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, how there was an action sequence that they filmed with the Jeeps and the two roads, and they actually did this stuff, but they added so much CG that it made it look fake, which took away from the mm-hmm. the effect and the impact. Both of us were like, ah, this sucks. you know? Yeah,
0: it's like the the original, the tank scene in Last Crusade, where it is, they're really there. Like when his face is about to go up next to the tread, his face is about to go next to the, I mean, there's something that pulls me in more when it's real Right on, you know, uh, or at least, you know, and maybe it's the professional wrestling fan in me too, is like, I, I, I like when, uh, you know, people do really cool athletic things and tell a story in that way. And, yeah. and when it goes to... You know, and there are exceptions. Like I said, it, Incredibles would be an exception. I, I like the action in that movie. but
1: I, I, I get what you're saying. um, It doesn't... I don't have the same thing, but I understand where you're coming from. For me, I was watching that last chase, the one down the mountain to the docks, and thinking this might be the best action sequence Spielberg has ever done. Like, I, I... Absolutely thought it was one of the best things I've seen in, in his films, just as far as it, it felt very much like what that chase in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was supposed to be. You know, like where people are flipping from this vehicle to that vehicle and they're crashing through buildings and the, oh, wait, this one's thrown off course. Now they're going to take a shortcut and they're going to get back into the thick of things and. And, you know, the dog is chasing the hawk, and the, the, oh, this one's got the scroll, now that one's got the scroll, now that one has all the scrolls, get it! You know, like, just this kind of madcap back and forth, and it was lightning fast, and the lightning fastness, (laughs) the lightning speed of it, the the, alacrity, the first time I saw the film was off-putting to me right like i was like that was so quick i didn't even know what was going on like you blink and you missed like five actions uh this time i was really swept up in it you know i was just like wow this is so well put together everything is crystal clear i know where everyone is at all times and what's going on um so like i i think I was more impacted by like the artistry it took to put it together and like, Mm -hmm. like the flow chart they must've had about who was where and when and why and how, and, and how, how to get this one from point A to point Z, you know? And, and, uh, so that I thought was really, really cool. I also really enjoyed, uh, the sword fight with the cranes at the end which again i like that i think like without the 3D yeah. maybe it was not as impactful but like with the 3D and the sense of scale it was like wow this is so cool and the way it kind of echoed the earlier sword fight you know between the ancestors um it, i don't know it was like there were some parts that were really really neat like in the end those pieces of the film and then the overall kind of like vibe of it definitely puts me like on a thumbs up side when it comes to this movie.
0: Cool. Yeah. um, I, I, and going in, like I, I did have enthusiasm for it. Uh, um, because of, I love Andy circus, um, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Daniel Craig. I love them. They're great. I don't, I think Andy circus arrives and shows up and, 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 gives an Andy Serkis level performance the rest of them I don't know that they're in the movie and I guess maybe that's it's because it's animated that's kind of what you want you want to get lost in the characters but I couldn't tell the difference between Simon Pegg's Thompson and Nick Frost's Thompson no, absolutely
1: not yeah 100% um, agreed
0: yeah and then I would never have guessed that Daniel Craig played saccharin also
1: a hundred percent agreed. Afterwards I had to go back and like look up who was who. Uh yeah. because I I didn't know who was playing what part outside of Jamie Bell. Um so yeah, I, and they I, had
0: Carrie Carrie Elways or however you say his name in the film as pilot. So apparently like he ran into uh, for me.
1: He ran into Spielberg on the street while they were in production and Spielberg said he was doing it and Carrie Elways got very excited and begged to be in the movie. And so Spielberg was like, "Well, I got this little pilot thing you can do." And he was like, "Oh, fine, whatever, I'll do it." You know. <laughs> so that's how he ended up in that tiny little part in the movie he was never supposed to be in there. And they just took him uh took him into the thing and strapped all the little ping pong balls to him and let him go for it so he could be a part of the Tintin though. movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: I cool. like it when someone like Is like, who is a fan of something and then dives in, you know, so many times you're watching a Marvel movie and they're watching the production. Yeah, I had to go get a bunch of comic books to figure out what the hell I'm playing. You know, I appreciate the 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 ones that go and be like, what? You're making Ghost Rider, even though those Ghost Rider movies suck. But at least Nick Cage was like, what? Yeah, Oh, I got to be Ghost
1: Rider. There's something about that that I appreciate. Yeah, me too. Enthusiasm goes a long way. Another thing that I think probably didn't work as well without the 3D were like the super awesome transition moments, like the part when they're on the boat and the camera pulls back and pulls back and pulls back. And then the it's a tiny little boat and it's in a puddle and somebody steps in the puddle um, mm-hmm. like those things. It kind of happened consistently. At one point, they zoom in, I think, on a fist and they keep zooming in, zooming in and it kind of morphs into the desert. Right. And then there are two little yeah. like, like like camels well, walking on it or something. And then when that nature.
0: he's going into the dream, you see the, the, the dunes of the desert and then the ship on the waves behind crashing through the dunes. Yes. A lot of creativity there that uh, you couldn't do with a, a movie that doesn't have CG. You right. Know? Um, right.
1: Yeah, and it just played s- super cool, again, in 3D, just because of that sense of scale. And and it was to the point where my daughter actually called it out. She was just like, the changes are so cool! The changes are so cool! And I knew exactly <laughs> what she was talking about, because every time yeah. they did it, like all three of us went, oh! <laughs> it was really <laughs> neat. Um, I think maybe
0: also having your family with you helps the experience, you know, when the kids are into it. Like, if... If I were watching this, and my son's like, oh, yeah, well, I might be like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that- just my cold-hearted adult, you know, heart has just been like, ah. It does. Where's the character development at? Where's the, you know.
1: It makes a huge difference. And that's part of why I bounced off it the first time was because my older sons weren't into it, right? And, yeah. and that
0: that can really make a
1: difference. Like, I took the kids to see Puss in Boots over Christmas break, the new Puss in Boots movie, and I went into it with a distinct lack of enthusiasm because I was not about that first Puss in Boots movie. I was not about that Puss in Boots Netflix show. <laughs> they watched all of it and was like, uh But- It was a boring day. We needed something to do to get out of the house, freezing cold. Everybody's like, on lockdown, we're going to Puss in Boots. So we went, and they loved it so much that I found myself getting caught up in it. And at the end, I was like, Puss in Boots was actually pretty damn good. Like, (laughs) I like that Puss in Boots movie. (laughs) So, yeah, having having that kind of enthusiasm, it does make a difference to your experience. And, And then on the other side, if somebody that you're with... You know, I've come out of movies that I kinda enjoyed and people are like, That sucked. And then I'm like, oh, you just kinda like ruined it for me because I like it. That's me today.
0: Nah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. No, it's fine. I still think it was cool. Um, no, I don't Yeah, yeah. I, I can't Okay, I was gonna go down a different trail. I'm gonna stop myself. No, go ahead, go down the trail. Um, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say I'm trying to think of times where maybe I was that guy that sucked ass. But I don't think I don't think it's happened. I tend to as as much as i seem to be the negative nancy on this podcast uh i i think i tend to be more optimistic (laughs) when i leave a theater but i'm also selective with what i go to see the last one i can remember leaving being like that was crap was the 007 movie specter but everybody i was with was like yeah i was bored out of my mind was that the
1: second to the last one that's the Christoph
0: Waltz one. Yeah, that one sucked. No, you're Javi totally right. No, those yeah. James Bond movies absolutely
1: follow the Star Trek. Every other movie is good pattern.
0: Like, yeah,
1: like there's a good one, there's a bad one, there's a good one, there's a bad. That was the bad one, and then the next one was, was again awesome. You know, yeah. And uh, you kind of have to just suffer through the bad ones, and they're so goddamn long. Like,
0: <laughs> Spectre was horrible. Was so no action. Long. I hate that
1: movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm 100% with you. But the one before it was great, and the one after it was great. What was the Skyfall before it or Yes, something? that was the one with the mansion, Skyfall. and it was his family, and all that. That was a yeah, good one. Yeah, I like that one, yeah. Yeah. Now you got me wanting to watch some James Bond, dude.
0: I, I haven't written down Bond chronologically, but, you know. Holy shit, would that be a project? Oh, my yeah. God. There aren't that many. I've uh, Hitchcock was worse. I, I I have not seen a lot of those Bond films. Like if you get, I've seen all of the Brosnan ones, about half of the Craig ones, and then maybe three others. Like I know I've seen Diamonds Are Forever. I believe I've seen License to Kill, and I think that's about it.
1: Well, okay, I've done better than you. So I go back to Timothy Dalton. I've seen. A pretty much probably everything since timothy dalton forward I, i've seen yeah, yeah but back before that when you get into like roger moore spotty when you get into sean connery zero i think i have oh. seen zero if i'm being perfectly honest with myself i don't think i've ever sat down and watched one of those things
0: oh i've seen dimes forever twice which is a um a special Sean Connery one.
1: Anyway, we're off base. No, no, we are um, off base, but it was, it was a <laughs> worthy discussion that might lead to some good things Who down knows? the line. So, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I I forgot what we were talking about before. Oh, not like being the downer in a movie, but it, like I'm looking forward to going to see the new Super Mario Brothers movie. One, because Jack Black is the voice of Bowser, and I love Jack Black. Um, but my son's really excited, and it looks... It looks like Mario. You know, if you don't like the voices, okay, I get it. But it looks like the Mushroom Kingdom, and I'm hyped. No, yeah,
1: it does look really good. So it's interesting how you're very selective with your animation films. Like, for me, an animated film, whether it's CG or hand-drawn, I'll sit down and watch them every single time. Like, I might not like them. Like, that new Strange World, I didn't like it. But I watched it, you know, and and like you could always get my butt in the seat for an animated film like the Puss in Boots. You know, like I'll give it a shot. Um, It it sounds like you are definitely much more selective about what you're even willing to engage with.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of it is because so much of the early stuff outside of your Pixar films was just grab bag. Like there's one where squirrels are like looking for nuts. A nut job. Well not job but and I, I don't why they're just like so many secret life of pets to me is like the the one i go back to where it was like this does not need to exist this does not need to exist i don't want this <laughs> you know and there are exceptions. monster house a lot of the early pixar stuff um you know, I, and I, to the point where I've probably missed some really good ones. I know people love Zootopia. Oh, Zootopia is so good. Yeah, that's
1: a good one, man. Because I just man. kind
0: of am like talking animals again. You know, I don't want to. Um, that's almost a deconstruction of talking
1: animals. That is that's yeah. such a good movie.
0: That's what I've heard. Like, I, I mean, there, I'm sure- there are a lot i miss. I've never seen Inside Out, which I know a lot of people oh, like.
1: Oh, that's such a good one, too. Did you check See? out uh, Turning Red, the one that came out this last year? No. Oh, it's a hoot, too. Oh, I yeah. just don't ooh, care. Ooh. I mean... I sent some I, more I, chronologicallys coming down. The- I don't know if I could talk you into it. I, I, I don't even know how we could... What, a
0: Pixar chronologically? Yeah, Is but, I, Pixar? but there's yeah.
1: ones outside of Pixar that I would want to watch, too, you know, like Megamind and... Uh,
0: I've seen Megamind.
1: Some, some of those... Uh the dream um, so dreamworks what would animation draw me, ones?
0: like I've seen Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs fun Yeah, I that was fun. Um what would draw me is like I said Jack Black is Bowser. If there are comedic actors that I love, I'll consider it. You know, Will Ferrell and Mastermind. I'm like, "Oh, that could be good," you know. Um that they're, they're, they're those times. Okay. But when you just have your generic like, actually, Super Mario is a good example. Anya Taylor-Joy as Peach? No thanks. I don't want that, you know, and even Chris Pratt. Eh.
1: Yeah, yeah. weird Weird casting with the Chris Pratt and the Anya Taylor-Joy. They're both like, fine performers. This. Like, I'm not an anti-Chris Pratt guy. Like, I know a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, neither am I. Yeah, but, like, I think he's he's actually quite good in a lot of things. Um, but it did feel a little off. It did feel like, boy, they're just plugging him into any old thing.
0: Like I It got, really I, felt <laughs> like, really? I kind of was just hoping they'd get the guy who does the voice of Mario. Yeah. Um. Personally. But like in this movie, Nick Frost, and this is one where I'm like, oh, Andy Serkis, Nick Frost. Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, I see them, I'm on board. Right? Agreed. And that's kind of how I would select my animated films is who's in it.
1: Yeah, and I I do feel that they were kind of underused. And uh th- maybe it's just that this material doesn't lend itself to, you know, the characters of Thompson and Thompson are supposed to be so alike that you can't necessarily tell them apart. That's part of the like the running joke with them. So they could have just had one dude doing both voices and it would have been just as effective as having yeah, Simon like could and Frost. Tell. Like there and was no Simon Peck and Nick Frost. are dialogue. sort of
0: opposites attract kind of comedy yes like that's their appeal
1: yes yeah that said i could watch about 10 more simon pegg and nick frost movies uh they can they can they can get cranking on right. those again anytime soon
0: so yeah, i don't know why they stopped
1: so there were a couple more uh aspects of this movie i just wanted to talk about real quick before we wrap um one of them was uh the opening credit sequence what did you think of, of that
0: I loved it. It was that Bernard Herrmann, right? uh, Saul Bass style that we've seen in Terminal. Um, Catch, was me the, uh, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Lo- they can just do that all the time. And I, I love the tone it sets. And I think it works in those movies where it's like, calm down. We're going to have a good time today. That's what those opening sequences do. It's like, you're in for a good time. Chill out. Like, that, and, Yes. They can just keep doing that anytime. I mean, you're not going to do it for Lincoln, right? You know, you're not going to see like a stylized anima- uh, animation of John Wilkes Booth <laughs> shooting him, um, which I would be here for. But, uh, you know, I, I-, I love it. I-, I One of my favorite parts of the film. I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. Yeah, I thought
1: it was really cool too, and I liked the way that they use the opening credits to have these little animated characters run through a mini adventure. Like at first, I was kind of like, "Is this? Is this like foretelling what's going to happen in the movie?" And then I was kind of like, "No," but it does set like the template for what this character does, right? It, like, it
0: wouldn't surprise me if they were like fan service of some of the stories. Yes, people like, "Ooh, that's that story," or you know, people who love the the source material.
1: Yeah but I mean it, it. yeah I just thought it was really cool I loved the score I thought John Williams again like just crushed it you know especially that, that opening theme because it is so like I don't know like cheerful but adventure you know and that's kind of like the tone of the movie it's like a cheerful adventure um, so what What about uh, Haddock you've stated several times that he really didn't work for you what about that character was so off-putting
0: That he was kind of like in a like, why are we with him? He's not good at anything. He is drunk all the time. And he just kind of is annoying to me. Like he's just always sort of this semi braggadocious. Like he's just a lot of character. And I know that's sort of Andy Circus's MO in a lot of his stuff is to just go for it. And it just didn't work for me, and I felt like he was hindering Tintin from actually being intelligent and doing things properly. And he just kind of annoyed me in that way. I felt like he was a weight to the main character. I feel like hey, if you got rid of him, you probably would be better off.
1: Yeah, like I, I yeah, I, I do agree that he was definitely like causing problems on maybe that outweighed the help that he gave <laughs> to the thing. Um, I, I found it interesting. Okay, so these these comic strips were written from, like, the 1920s through the 1960s, maybe, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, the guy that wrote them, like, died halfway through the last one that he was creating. And so, like, the the depiction of alcohol use at that time culturally was very different from what it is now. Right. So you've got like the Tom and Jerry mouse, you know, and they're going to like fall into the thing of cider and come out and hiccup and the little bubbles are going to come out of their mouth and they're going to like stagger around and so on. And I think that this character is in that tradition, right? Like the, the comedic drunk guy. Um, And in some ways, I think good on them that they didn't scale that back, right? Like, like that was the way the character existed in the original material. If you would have tried to tamp that down a little bit, I think the fans of the original material would have cried foul, right? They would have been like, what are you do? That's not who he is. This is the character. He's drunk. Um... But then another piece of me was like, ah, it feels a little hinky, you know, like in this day and age, that feels a little, uh, a little, a little weird. Um, I, Alcoholism
0: I, runs in my family. Me so too. So I've seen it firsthand, you know, and so when the dog is like, in order to fix the problem, we have to give him more libations, is like, he's sober for like the first time in the whole film. And the answer to keep the story going is to get him drunk again is to me. I'm like, uh, you know, that kind of, yeah, a little bit of air came out for me. I was like, I get it. Like, I also uh, I, I find the appeal in what you said about good on them for not, you know, being overly woke or whatever. And I get it. You know, it didn't offend me or anything. But when I when I see like the answer is to give an alcoholic more booze. I'm like, okay. Yeah. What the, are you saying here? The
1: trope of the comedic drunk definitely has a different tone these days than it than it used to. And I also come from a uh, a a family of alcoholics, um several of whom have just died, you know. Um and so, yeah, of course it it hits a different a different chord with me, you know. Although the part, the part where he couldn't remember when he was sober and then they get him drunk and he suddenly could remember again. Struck me as it it, it, it was funny because I was listening to uh, an episode of what uh, WTF with Mark Marin, who is also a, a recovering alcoholic and substance abuser. And I forget, it was probably two, three years ago. He was talking with somebody and he was talking about drunk memory versus sober memory. And, uh-huh. and how sometimes... Drunk memory, it just functions in a different way. Like, you can access things much more fully sometimes when you're drunk than when you're sober. Your sober brain, like, kind of struggles to wrap around things. And, and then I was thinking about it in terms of uh, my own experiences with karaoke. I used to be a very heavy drinker. I am no longer. I have kind of, like, taken that part of my personality and shut it down so I don't die. Uh, but back in the day... I was big. I've been in bands. I like getting up. I like doing stuff. So. When I'm doing karaoke, when I'm sober, I find it very hard to remember the words to songs. If I've had a few drinks, I don't even have to look at the goddamn screen. It just comes, yep. you know. And and so that piece of the movie, like, <laughs> you just kind of chuckle a little bit because I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. Like you can't remember when you're sober, but you can when you're drunk. Been there. Like, <laughs> like that feels good. So kinda-
0: like parallel and i'm i'm very much in the same boat like i if i drank it was very socially and it was like a one to two drink thing if i was playing poker i i i libated i i I kept a steady buzz going because i kick ass at poker when i'm buzzing pretty good yeah because and i think for you like there's the nerves of getting up and doing karaoke i can't think of the words i can't but when you drink, it's like, okay, all that nerves are gone. It's like, oh, there they are. There's the words. You know, and when I'm playing poker, I'm like more in tune with what's happening around the table. I'm like, that guy doesn't have it. And then I'm like lubed up enough to be like willing to risk the chips or whatever to get the uh you know, to buy a pot or whatever. Um so I can relate to that, but you know, since the, the lockdown and everything, I pretty much don't drink at all because what am I going to that's that's a good way to become an alcoholic is sit in a room alone and drink
1: yeah yeah same same I I very rarely have drinks anymore but I do understand uh, the difficulties that people like per- performers in particular who decide to become sober and then you know have to struggle through learning how to enter that flow state without chemical you know right uh help
0: (laughs) i also haven't played poker since i stopped drinking so because i i was went to a poker tournament that i paid to get into and it was like all these newbies i'm like hell yeah this is my money i got killed oh yeah because i hadn't had a drink at all and i didn't know why did i suck so bad and i was playing uh poker with a friend of mine and i had a big tall boy of wicked apple cider and it was working and i was killing the table like i was killing everybody all their money was mine and that's when i realized like oh <laughs> if i have a drink <laughs> i play poker better um so it's just the nerves i guess get me but
1: yeah anyway yeah but uh, uh you know t- we've gotten off topic a little bit from it but it was an, an interesting in the mo- moment in the movie that made me just kind of like reflect on my own experiences but that's that said, i i think I don't know. I don't know where I land on it. You know, I I don't know where I landed. I think I think in the end, if I had to, like, say one way or the other, I would say, yeah, go ahead and be faithful to the source material. You know, you don't want to you don't want to dumb it down for modern audiences. It's a story that takes place in the past from source material that was written in the past with the sensibilities of the past. You start changing that shit and, you know, you're walking a real
0: fine line, you know. And it's not racism. Right. You know, like they're not doing like blackface or whatever. It's right this really goofy sort of version of alcoholism and I don't think it really does any harm. So which I, I again Yeah, to be I'm frank, still
1: still comes up sometimes in our modern culture. Mm-hmm. Like that trope is not completely gone at this point. Like it's still uh, the goofy, funny, drunk guy still pops up in movies and TV shows and cartoons and stuff on occasion. Or
0: even in comedies when, you know, the they kind of fall off the wagon or whatever. And Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm Old thinking, school. Will Ferrell. <laughs> Will Ferrell with the <laughs> jug of milk in the phone booth uh, of Anchorman. Right. Milk was a bad choice. That's one that always gets me. <laughs> Good times. That one gets me because milk is being the substitute for alcohol. It's funny.
1: So, okay- the only question that I have for the end here before we completely wrap up, obviously, you know, you weren't terribly familiar with Tintin. Um, and, but it's clear that the filmmakers put a lot of thought and care into being respectful to the source material and coming up with the, you know, like coming up with a take on it that was faithful to what the mm-hmm. spirit of Tintin was. If you could pick any other property that you would like to see given the same treatment
0: by Spielberg and Jackson anything what would you like to see them take I wouldn't take pick on? Spielberg and Jackson but the the answer is the Power Rangers but I wouldn't pick Spielberg and Jackson I would pick the Wachowskis but I'm trying to think of what I would want to give them to do I don't know that I would I feel like they take it too seriously like the things that come to mind are Ren and Stimpy um, you know, but they don't have the comedic chops to do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, but I've been wanting a good Power Rangers reboot, you know? The one that came out before was such crap. That last I one? I thought that was kind of cool. You didn't like it? I thought it was cool. It wasn't the Power Rangers. Okay. Is the is the thing. It's just not. Because they'd miss... The, the problem with that movie is they don't know what makes the Power Rangers great. And the reason... And I just did a episode of this on Movie Draft House. You can go find it. But the reason Speed Racer by the Wachowskis works is they know what makes Speed Racer great, and if you didn't like Speed Racer the anime, you're not gonna like the movie. That's me. You're just not. <laughs> but if you did, I think you're gonna rate. You're gonna love it because they get it. You know, like they know how to mix the elements of the cheesiness that made it great with the elements of like modern cinema. That. My answer to your question is I want the Wachowskis to make a Power Rangers film. Okay. I was
1: thinking more along terms of, like, leaning into Spielberg and and uh, Jackson's strengths. Like, I was thinking about, like, okay, so you got Raiders and Indy, and then Jackson did King Kong, and, and like, uh, they worked together on this, and they're all kind of period pieces and action adventure. I think some of the action beats in Jackson's King Kong movie are, like, unbeatable right like they're, they're really cool yeah. stuff in that movie uh especially when they're like on the island you know before they get into the new york segments um so i was thinking stuff like tarzan uh, uh how about this transformers oh but spielberg already ruined transformers did he? That's did all he? Yeah, him. That's that was him. Bay. No, like he's the producer oh. of all those movies. Like he's had a hand in all that shit. And we are not going to be doing any bonus episodes on those motherfuckers. I'll tell you right now.
0: <laughs> no, I agree. I don't want to watch them. <laughs> Only reason we would watch them if we did Michael Bay chronologically.
1: Oh God, no. Oh Jesus. Although Pain and Gain,
0: misunderstood I don't... classic. <laughs> uh, I didn't like that one as much. I'm more of an Island man myself. Oh,
1: I like that one too. I'm not a yeah. I'm not a Michael Bay hater. Like there there are some good ones in there, man. Like yeah, I like the Island. Yeah, so I was thinking of, like Tarzan. I was thinking John Carter, um, which I I liked which, the Disney take on John Carter. I'm one of the few that kind of you know go along with it. But uh, Lone Ranger. Um, you know, like. Boy, have... you're,
0: I think the thing is, you're from a different generation of what you grew up with. So I'm like, uh, Nighthawks. hawks, uh, gargoyles, Ninja Turtles. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Ninja Turtles could be good. Did Spielberg have something to do with Ninja Turtles? Like
1: somewhere the along the I line, don't. you know? I bet I you know. he did. I bet you, if we looked it up right now, we could find that he had a hand in one of those adaptations. Or like the original one
0: and Secret of the Ooze are awesome. So I'm, I'm not as like. Oh, we got to get it. Somebody can do it, you know, like, but we just haven't had a good Power Rangers movie. Yeah. Since the the one that had the original cast, which is not great, but it's at least the fucking Power Rangers, man. Like, (laughs) like, yeah, that's my thing is they in order for the Power Rangers for me to work, they got to be campy. You can't you can't do a gritty reboot of the Power Rangers. It does not work. Because you're just making another superhero movie. You gotta have that camp element. You gotta have it. Otherwise, like, I want them fighting putties in little, you know, gymnastic suits and... Yeah. Yeah. You know what would be an interesting one to see them take on?
1: Did you ever see Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow? It's a terrible goddamn movie, but...
0: I've seen enough to turn it off.
1: Yeah, it's, it's terrible, but... In the hands of people that actually like really enjoyed those old serials, 1930s, you know, like it, it's basically, basically the film became a special effects reel, right? Like, look what I can do with these digital effects. But if you put it in the hands of people that could handle like story and action beats, you know, it, it, to make those special effects more impactful, that might be kind of cool. I like, just, I feel like these guys are, in particular are suited for these like thirties and forties action things. And you put the two of them together and you're going to get something special, which I, which I kind of feel like Tintin was. Um, so yeah, I don't know anyhow we, we've been rambling for a while i guess it's uh it's about about time to wrap and talk about what yeah. we're doing
0: next so we are going to do a bonus episode um we are going to do super eight uh which was directed by jj abrams but produced and i believe had uh heavy influence from steven spielberg so um we will be back in one week as opposed to two to go over
1: that and then we will be returning to the Spielberg mainline filmography with War Horse. After that, and uh, we're getting close to having to bring Elliot back
0: in for some of these yeah, Jurassic so World War movies, Horse, right? Uh, my buddy Mark from the movie Draft House will be joining us to go over Lincoln, and I think we do Bridge of Spies, and then start Jurassic. World. Then we'll start Jurassic Worlds. Worlds. Okay. Cool, 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 yeah, cool. do those as bonuses. So, like we still got a lot of movies to go. We are definitely through the most of it, but because of those three damn Jurassic World movies, uh two of which I'm not looking forward to watching again. <laughs> well, actually I've never seen them. So, maybe they you know. I've heard tale that the main monster in the third one is bugs, which is the stupidest kind of (laughs) bullshit I've ever heard. In a damn movie about dinosaurs, you're going to have bugs. You haven't heard wrong. It's so stupid.
1: You haven't heard wrong. It is bugs. And some bad dinosaur. Ah, We'll we'll get there when we get there.
0: Okay. Well, if you want more from me, you can check out the movie Draft House. Also, uh, my miniseries podcast the 10-week professional or 10-week pro wrestling crash course with the aforementioned elliot where i'm teaching him all about professional wrestling uh and you can follow me on twitter at podcast by jeff you can follow eric on twitter at eric underscore hotter check out his youtube page eric hotter and also gamingnexus.com for his gaming reviews all those links should be in the description that's it i think that's it uh okay have a great week we'll, see we'll you get the hell out of for, here uh, we'll see you next week yeah
1: super eight bye y'all bye